Hello and welcome to our devotions on the Gospel of John. Today I want us to look at John chapter 6, verse 22 to 40. John chapter 6, verse 22 to 40. But instead of reading the whole passage, I would encourage you to read it for background. But I want to focus on verse 35. And this is what verse 35 says. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let us now look at what these words mean. One of the most difficult things about the Gospel of John is that Jesus makes claims that are, in a sense, very profound, very enigmatic, and often we find it hard to understand. But as we meditate on it, as we ask the Lord to speak to us, then we believe that, I believe that God will speak to you, um, not necessarily from this podcast alone, but if you allow the words, the teaching of Jesus to rest, to just, if you just start ruminating and thinking about what Jesus says and the truth about it, then you too will get much insight. So let us begin now with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that has so many promises, so rich in knowing you and of giving us life. The Father, often it's so hard to understand the things that you say to, like today's passage where you tell us that you are the bread and then you imply that we ought to eat you. But what does all of this mean? We ask, Lord, that your Spirit will indeed speak to us, that not only will we understand your word, but that we may also believe, and as we believe, we may receive. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus says that he's the bread of life. But what does it mean to be the bread of life? What does it mean to hunger? What does it mean to thirst? What does it mean to come to him? Well, let's look first at the context of this story. It began in John chapter 6, verse 1, when Jesus was preaching to a crowd of 5,000 men, plus women and children, that's maybe... 10,000, we don't know. But Jesus was preaching to an entire crowd. And as it became late, he felt compassion for the crowd. He didn't want to just send them home for fear that some of them might faint along the way from hunger. And so he told his disciples to look for anyone who had food. Of course, they doubted. And then they found a boy with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he got everyone seated into little groups. And then, as he prayed, he got his disciples to distribute the food. They came back with, having fed all the people, they came back with 12 baskets full of leftover food. It was indeed a great miracle, unbelievable. And so the next day, a crowd went looking for Jesus. But as Jesus knew their hearts, he knew that they weren't even just interested in the miracle. I mean, when you see a miracle like this, you will, of course, gravitate, right? You want to see more. But the people weren't even interested in the miracle. As Jesus said in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus knew that these people weren't even interested in the miracle. What they wanted was to feed themselves. Now, lest you think that they are kyasu people, let me assure you that they were not 
people sitting in Mercedes Benz going to a shop that was giving away free noodles. They were not Kyasu people. Very likely, the people in Palestine then were really hungry people. And if there was a chance of getting food for free, they would flock. Not because the Kyasu, but because they couldn't afford it and this was the only chance they had to get food. And so it seemed rather insensitive when Jesus said, well, don't work for food that perishes. Let me give you something even better. Now, would Jesus be so insensitive as to say, well, I know you guys are hungry, but hey, look, don't worry about that. Let me give you something more. And if it were just spiritual food, then Jesus would only be feeding them spiritually while leaving them hungry. Or James also said, I mean, how can you tell a person go in peace when you do not feed him? And so, Remember that Jesus was very sensitive and very compassionate to the people. Just the day before, he had seen them hungry and he had worked a miracle to feed them. It wasn't a publicity stunt. He was genuinely compassionate and he felt for them. And so when Jesus says, look for something greater, look for the bread, I am the bread, he could not simply have meant, well, look at the spiritual things, right? Let's, let's turn your hearts to spiritual things. There must be something more basic than this when he says that he is the bread. It must have met something even, a need even greater than physical hunger. These are people coming to him for food, hoping to get a free meal because they couldn't afford anything better. And Jesus, being the compassionate God that he is, would not just have changed the subject. He would certainly have seen the physical hunger. And as he talked about bread, then he must also have had in mind the fact that they were hungry physically. And so when he described himself as the bread of life, I believe that he, it encompassed everything. Physical, emotional, spiritual, any fear, any worry. And so let's look at what it means then to come to Jesus. First of all, to believe Jesus. What does it mean then to believe Jesus? Remember that Jesus is God. And so when it means coming to him and even eating him, it means embracing all that he has done, all that he has taught, and putting full faith on him. And that includes eating. That includes physical food. Because Jesus did say to his listeners, do not worry about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God was going to supply their needs. Even as he told them, but seek first the kingdom of God. It wasn't just seek first the kingdom of God and don't worry about food, go and starve. But he says, all these things that you need will be added, will be given to you. And so one of the things then to, about coming to Jesus is believing that he will supply our needs as well. Believing that he will supply our physical needs, our need for food, our need for drink, our need for clothes. To embrace, to imbibe, to eat Jesus, first of all, would mean that we wholeheartedly believe that God will supply our physical needs. After all, he turned water into wine and a at a wedding feast where they had run out of wine, he turned water and wine, basically meaning that he would even care for needs like this. And then there was the need, there is a need for protection. 
we feel very insecure in our lives. And we remember then that as Jesus and his disciples were in a boat and there was a terrible storm and Jesus just said to the storm, Be still. And we think about our lives too, the storms in our lives, the waves that are beyond our control. And we believe that as we come to Jesus, that's part of eating the bread too. Jesus who meets that need for security, for safety, for protection. As he says to the storms, be still. Jesus also dealt with anger and resentment. And you know, when we come to Jesus for help, for helping us to cope with the things that we suffer from, even from our anger, from our anger that cannot leave us, that we cannot get rid of, the resentment that lives with us. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's not a command. It is great advice. Just Jesus saying, if you really want to live, if you really want to be free from your resentment, from your anger, pray to love them. Go and love those who hurt you. Because that is the way of life. That is the way of peace. Jesus dealt with those who are exhausted, those who are oppressed. And once again, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so to eat Jesus is also to come to him and say, God, I believe I come to you because I'm exhausted, because I'm heavy laden, because I am oppressed. Lord, I come to you. And I receive your word and I believe your promise because I know that I will find rest. For those who are heartbroken, we come to God who says, to Jesus who says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Many of us are brokenhearted. And the solution to a broken heart is to come to Jesus and say, God, I am. Lord Jesus, I am so brokenhearted. Comfort me. Because you've promised that when you comfort me, then I'll indeed be blessed. Jesus also speaks to us about uh, those who are disadvantaged in life. Many of us are disadvantaged in some way or other. Some of us especially are disadvantaged because we are nobody. You know when Jesus said, Blessed are the poor, It's not just that you have no money. In the past, the poor had no status at all. In even Jewish practice, bribery was very, very rife, even though God was against it. It was a custom that if you needed some justice, you needed attention, you needed someone to look at you, you pay the judge. And so the poor had nothing to attract the attention of the high-ranking officials, of the rulers, of the judges. But God is a different kind of God. And he says, yeah, you can have no money, you can be maybe a nobody, and yet you have the kingdom. Yet I will be with you, I will receive you, and I will hear you, and I will take action on your behalf. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, he's talking about blessed are those who have nothing to offer. And even then, when you run to God, when you run to Jesus, He will take care of you. And then the sick. The sick too are called to run to Jesus because He heals. 
Those who need forgiveness and acceptance, those who live with heavy burden of guilt and shame. Jesus says, come to, because he tells the story of the prodigal son and how the prodigal son runs home to the father who then embraces him. Most of all, he talks to those who are empty. At the very bottom of our lives, beyond all our different hunger, is a hunger for fulfilment, a hunger for love, a hunger for friendship. I remember a friend of mine, no, no, it wasn't a friend, I went to a prison to preach, and there happened to be just one guy at one of the classes. All the others had decided not to turn up. So I spoke to this man who was an addict, a drug addict. He had been in prison so many times. And each time there was a desperation for drugs and deep addiction. He lost his wife, he lost his home, he lost all his property because of drugs. It was like he was married to drugs. And as we shared, we exposed deep emptiness in him. That what he needed was a love that was greater than all of these. He needed to be loved. And then he discovered that Jesus, God, loves him beyond anything else. And he could fall in love with God as well. Relating with God is a reality. Being a Christian is not about living a good life, trying to behave yourself, keeping the laws. It is all about knowing God, the Father, Jesus, His Son, as friend, as Father. A relationship that is deep, that fills our hearts and takes away our loneliness. It is really talking. Prayer is not about having a list of things to talk about to God a list of requests. It is about talking to a friend, talking to a loving father who is attentive to you, he hears us, and it's nothing crazy about talking to God. Those of us who have known what it means to run to Jesus and just to talk to him, know the comfort, the joy, what fills us. And then Jesus talked about Rivers of living water. He says, whoever thirsts, let him come to me. Out of him will flow rivers of living water. Now that too is a reality. It is a supernatural reality that's promised to all who come to Jesus and say, Lord, deep inside me, I am so thirsty. I'm so empty. There is a need within me that causes me perhaps to be addicted to many things. But deep inside there is the emptiness. And God, I come to you to fill it. And in a very supernatural way, then Jesus will pour his spirit into you. And there will come a joy that bubbles over that is inexplicable. I mean, you, you can't reason with that. It's just a joy that bubbles over. And that's a promise from Jesus as well. And so when Jesus says that he is the bread of life, it's not just a spiritual. It's everything, everything that is more basic than even having a full meal that is as basic as can be. It fulfills everything. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear, who will protect you, who will help ease your anger and your resentment, who will give you rest when you're tired and exhausted, who will heal your heart when you're brokenhearted, who will heal you sick when you're sick, who will forgive you and embrace you, who will fill the inner emptiness within you. It's all of the above. And coming to Jesus then, what does it mean? I think first when it says, come to me, it's coming to God and saying, God, 
I need you. God, I acknowledge that I cannot fill, I cannot on my own get all these things. I cannot run my life. And the more desperate we are, the more open we are to God, the more we can say to God, God, I'm tired, I'm brokenhearted, I'm hungry, I'm poor, I'm angry and resentful. And Lord, I come to you and I run to you and I believe in you. And maybe the most operative words are, take over my life. It's not something that we should be terrified of. Us running our lives is something we should be terrified of because when you reach my age, for example, or even much, much younger, you realise that so many things are beyond your control. You can't even say, let me be the captain of my destiny. You realise that really, you're not in control. And the earlier you describe, you discover that, the faster you discover that, the better it is for you. When you run to Jesus and you say, God, take control of my life. Because then only will I truly have life. And so when Jesus talks about the bread of life, then what he's talking about is the most basic foundational need of any human being. Come. It's more important. It's not just more important. It's more all-embracing than just getting bread. Because when you come to him, he's going to provide you the bread and much more. And so the invitation by Jesus is, come and eat, come and believe. And then the, disciple, the people also ask, what can we do, the works of God? We think that we can do a lot of work for God. And Jesus says, no, actually the only work of God is, come and believe me. Come and believe that I am God, and that I will watch over your life. Will you? Come to Jesus and let him take control, take over your life. And then daily believe in His all the promises that he has made, all the works that he has done. Immerse yourself in the life of Jesus. What did he teach? What did he do? What are the assurances that he gives to you? Take all of this to heart and learn to trust and depend on him. Let us pray. Father, we need you so much. Because in our lives, we have so many, so many needs. We have the need to for comfort. We have the need to have our hearts, broken hearts healed. We have a need for protection. We have a need for justice. We have a need for our daily provisions. And most of all, we have a need to fill that empty void within us. And Lord Jesus, we come to you. We come to you to fill every one of these needs. Because that's what you've promised us. And as we come to you, Lord, then you will give us life, then you will pour rivers of living water, then you will feed us, then you will ease our pain, heal our pain. Then you will heal the anger and the resentment, then you will give us rest. And indeed, we will have life. So, Father, speak to us in the course of today and the next few days, showing us that you indeed will address each of these needs and you will meet them. Thank you 
Lord Jesus. Amen. Well then, you have a blessed day and a great week ahead. God bless you. Goodbye.